bleeding? No. What? I don't have like blood on me. <laughs> Tempest. Yeah. Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Are you all right? Yeah. I don't, did you have a bloody nose or something? I think so. <laughs> okay. But I have like blood on my pants here. I and... don't know. Oh my god! Have you become a woman? Maybe. <laughs> Guys, I am so into empowering feminism <laughs> that now I'm menstruating just like you guys. Isn't it awesome? Mark, Let's all sync up. I have a special <laughs> book for you. It's called, Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Yes. I feel like you okay, need to good. read that. Okay, good. Is it time for my coming of age uh, <laughs> lessons? Great. All right. Hell, so... Why am I bleeding? Jesus Christ. Hi, everyone. This is Extemporaneous. It is a podcast where I come up with an idea, I do some research, I grab a bottle of wine, I bring everything to Mark, and he pontificates. This week is a sort of bonus episode slash continuation of the episode that dropped um, just this last Friday. We are digging into why people join cults, and we're looking at it through the lens of Nexium. Please stay tuned until the end for our social media details. And thank you very much for coming back and listening to us each week. So we are going to be doing a multi-episode arc about the crisis of meaning. Within that multi-episode arc, we are going to be looking at different ways that people go looking for meaning. And the first way to go looking for meaning is going to be cults. In this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about cults and the history of cults and how people get into cults, but then we're going to zero in on one, and we're kind of jumping on a bandwagon, and I'm not mad about it because this bitch needs to be fucking dragged, and I cannot wait until you weigh in on fucking Keith Rainieri. Oh, yeah, that guy. He's real bad. He has really bad pants. Yeah, he has the worst pants. Oh, my God. I hated him from the get-go. As soon as I saw his pants, I was like, like, bro, your pants are bad news. I'll tell you that right now. So, I mean, we're going to be looking at the Nexium cult through the lens of a particular documentary, which I have been forcing you to watch. Yeah. But it's pretty good. It's on stars and it's called Seduced and it's the story of India Oxenberg who now, is Now let me tell you that title was pretty promising. I was kind of excited, but it did not really bear fruit. Well, by episode 3 gets a little bit a little spicier. A little spicy, little spicy spice. Right but on. in a bad way. Yeah, real bad way. That's why I'm you saying would, like, it didn't sex really cult, pay off. Very very bad. We're not going to go into deep deep detail about the history of Nexium and what, you know, how it all came about. Um, we will a little, but I'm gonna point. I'm gonna put in the um, description some some links that you can you can go to if you are somehow unfamiliar with what Nexium Nexium is. But I, honest to God, I would recommend having a look at this seduced uh, documentary because it is quite quite good, and you can get a free trial from Stars. All right, so let's talk a little bit about um, let's talk a little bit about. Cults, just to start us, just get to get the ball rolling. Sure. Get everybody so kind my of... hot take on cults, they're bad. Don't ever join one. Nobody ever, like, ends up happy with a cult. There's not a lot of, God, I was so glad I joined that cult. Uh, looking back on it 30 years later, best move of my life. Mm-hmm. No, it always ends bad. Do you think that people, I think that people don't know that they're in cults. Right. Nobody says, welcome to our cult. (laughs) We're going to now be uh, systematically uh, separating you from your friends, family, and loved ones. And uh, we're going to keep you really tired, so you're not going to really notice how we're scamming you. Uh, you might as well just empty your bank account today. Because yeah, let's just be honest, that's why I we're mean, here. Did you guys bring your checkbooks? Yeah. Also, so, ladies or and or men. Yeah. Depends on the no. They think charismatic nobody thinks, leader. Nobody thinks they're in a cult until shit goes wrong. True. All right. So, um, and that's actually true. And there have been cults over time, over place. Forever. Forever. As a matter of fact. When is the first cult? Well, I, it's not the first cult, but no. you could think of um, one of the one of the things that, that I thought was quite interesting is this idea that scholars who study cults and people who there are there's actually a, a, an entire um, network that is designed to help people 
to extract people from cults and psychologists who help deprogram people to get once they've come out of a cult to help them re-enter life and the world in real life. So yeah. they say a cult plus time equals religion. Religion. Right. Because, of course, Christianity basically started as a, uh, a doomsday cult mm-hmm. uh, back in the Dizay, right? That's true. And it was, I mean, and they had a charismatic leader, I hear. Mr. Jesus of Nazareth. That's right, Sir Jesus. He's like, just call me the Christ. That's right, the great Jesus Christ. (laughs) Prove to me that you're no fool. Walk across my swimming pool. By the way, if you don't know that reference, hit yourself in the head right now. Oh my God, it's such a good movie. Great, great movie. Okay, so. so. yes, I I totally agree with that. Basically, Mm -hmm. a religion is a really successful cult, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Well, and uh, really what ends up happening is that the um, cult has a negative connotation. It sure does. And what what they these scholars say is that... It's really not about the belief system per se. It's about the behaviors of the group and the ways in which it uses uh, various methods of influence and control to manipulate and exploit the members. At some point, things take a turn for the... Grim. <laughs> Grim. Yeah. And th- there's, like, bad intentions afoot. That's yeah. when it's a cult. Prior to that, it's just a new religious movement. One of the things that always intrigues me about about cults um, is the idea of, like, okay, so what, what actually is a cult? What what really defines a cult? And mm-hmm. then what? how do the fuck do they get people that go to go into it? How do they get we people to buy We can't even get more in? than 40 people to listen to our podcast. I and know. Got, we got people like just signing over their life savings. Mark, you're just not charismatic enough. Apparently. Can you up your game, please? Yeah. Maybe right. I need to like study hypnosis or something. <laughs> Jesus. Oh my God. All right. So there are three main characteristics to a cult. One led by a charismatic leader. Although yeah. one might argue, is Keith really charismatic? He must be in so, on some level, right? Now, he's not charismatic to you and I because we're not kooks, mm-hmm. right? And we're not desperate, seeking meaning, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we don't have 100 people around us going, he's super charismatic, you guys. <laughs> he's right? like the smartest man in the world. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, that guy. At some level, he must be because he has, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. He has a bunch of pudding heads you know, following him around. I have a theory about that, in which Lay I will get to. I will get to in, oh, in, in, okay. a mo- in a moment. But, okay, so that's one, charismatic leader. Two, there's some form of indoctrination program. So thought reform is what you call it, or mind control. All right, so there's an indoctrination program. That makes sense, because that's how you get people. But, yes, but you're, you're, you're breaking them down, and then you're... Rebuilding them. Um, and then the third thing is that there is usually some kind of sexual and or financial exploitation. See, now that's, good, see, that's good. You should have sexual and financial obligations in a cult. What's the point of having it if you're not going to get laid and get rich? Get laid and get paid. Yeah, that's what I'm Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> our, all right, that's, you know what? Change our tagline for our podcast. <laughs> all right? From now on, it's extemporaneous, oh. get laid, get paid. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Mark, those are the three kind of Defining. key markers that this okay. is about. A, this is a cult. Right. Okay. So, um, interestingly enough, many of the things that people, well, I don't want to say like, so these are new religious movements. Again, cult is a negative connotation. So now scholars refer to things as new religious movements, maybe until things become nefarious. It's like a proto-cult. In a, there's a certain area in the country that seems to be a hotbed for some reason. For these things. It's called the Burnt Over District. And there was one small patch of America that was especially seized by this new religious fervor, a section of land stretching from Albany to Buffalo, known as the Burned Over District. The Burned Over District became the birthplace of Mormonism, of Seventh-day Adventism, of spiritualism. Also, Nexium. Right. Kind of headquartered in Albany. Think about, tell me a time where you can think of a bunch of cults happening. Or oh, 60s for sure. 60s and 70s, right? Late 60s Civil and 70s. Civil unrest, race tensions. Yep. Uh, you know. Um... In a wave of political assassinations, 
Many began doubting the war in Vietnam was just. Americans' trust in their government plummeted. And the specter of imminent nuclear annihilation made the entire nation feel like it was under siege. So there's a lot of unrest in, in that time. And then there's a ton of different, like, alternatives. So you have, like, the Manson family in 1969. You have uh, Diana. You have Hari Krishnas. You have, like, even the Beatles going off with the Maharishi. Right. Also writing Dear Prudence, which is one of the best fucking songs of whose. It's quite good. Do you know whose sister that's about? John? No. Prudence? George? Prudence is Mia Farrow's sister, and oh. I think she was on a bad trip, and she wouldn't come out of her yurt or whatever they wow. were, whatever they were living in, and so, so John, I think it was John or Paul, whichever. By the way, wrote if it. I ever find myself living in a yurt. <laughs> At, can you please remind me that I don't want to be living in a yurt? I feel like, I feel like I, I feel like right now, I have a very deep need to, to do a, like a glamping. Oh hell episode no! Where, oh hell oh no! no. I, I'm, you guys, weigh in on Facebook. Do you want me to drag Mark on a glamping expedition in a yurt? God, why would I want to do that? Because the comedy would be amazing. You know, it'd also be amazing the level of discomfort that I would be feeling. <laughs> exactly. I haven't gone camping in. 10 years glamping maybe? well glamping whatever in it's, a yurt it's not that glam let me tell you <laughs> no i think it first would of all be. if you're in a yurt that you just that's negative glam right there people who get into these situations are searching for meaning today a different kind of threat is driving people to search for new sources of meaning there's an epidemic of social isolation so serious it's been recognized as a public health threat in countries around the world. Medical experts believe loneliness is becoming Australia's newest public health crisis. America is in the grips of a loneliness epidemic. The government has appointed a minister for loneliness. People don't necessarily have a built-in community, be it at the level of family, at the level of church, at the level of neighborhood. They're searching for purpose. Right. They're searching for meaning. They are often at a crossroads in their lives. So here's 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 a question. How do the leaders get con control? There's seven ways that cult specialists think that Number leaders... Number one, karate. <laughs> well, in the case of Keith Raniere, it was yeah. judo. Yeah, see, there you go. So how do leaders get control? Keith is a different kind of dude in the sense that he seems to have had the idea, I'm going to do this. And then he goes looking... He was doing research yeah, and he was planning studying. This cult he, was, out. he was planning it out, which is a little bit different from what others did. They kind of stumbled into it. They kind of stumble into it. They're right. they're they're charismatic. Yeah. And they're they like, understand you know that they a, can be influential. Yeah, I got a group of people here. I, I might be Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if we can make this happen. But I'm gonna like be Jesus. This is who David Koresh. Like I'm gonna be fucking Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that whole 40 days in the desert bullshit. No, no, bullshit. no, no, no. Uh -uh. This is going to be Jesus getting it on. And But usually with much, much younger well, people. Yeah. So seven elements that can lead to indoctrination right. to a cult. Right. One, you're at a crossroads in your life. Okay. So you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm even doing. I've, yeah. go I've gone through a really bad breakup. I had a divorce. Someone died. The devil never showed up for our meeting so I could be a famous <laughs> guitarist. <laughs> Like, I got what? stood up by the devil. How low do you have to be to, for the devil? Because you know to... why? Because yeah. the devil went down to Georgia then. Yeah, way. well, there you go. <laughs> you had your signals crossed. I was like, I thought we were at the crossroads, but he's in Georgia. Mm. Damn it. What was that? Robert Johnson. I think so. But yes. it wasn't true. Right. So anyway, okay, so you're at a crossroads in your life. Two, it's a soft sell. They don't come at you when you walk in the room and say, hey, come on and join my cult. Number three, um... You get pushed into a new reality. You're isolated. You, 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 you're often, um, they don't allow you access to books or television. They keep you so busy that you're just enveloped in this self-sealing system. Okay. That only focuses on what is the information that's going on in the 
And that's what all you talk about. I mean, can you time. even imagine that? Like, you're hanging out with your friends, and all you talk about is is the stuff that's going on. Like, oh, hey. And in the case of Nexium, yeah. it's like, well, you know, how do t- we do better in business? All we talk about is is our podcast, so maybe we're a cult. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I often, I actually, as I was doing some work this afternoon, yeah. I you're thought, like, maybe we could. Hmm, make I wonder this if he a is cult. a charismatic leader, and yeah. I'm just the first in a many. Uh, I think my siblings would say no. <laughs> like, you know what? No. Also, I'm a little old to be indoctrinated into a, your uh, cult. We'll see about that. All right. So, number four. It's early. Most important. <laughs> the most important relationship at a certain point as you're kind of getting into the cult. Yes. Number four is that your most re- important relationship is with the dear leader. Right. I forget. So, you have... Access to an actual real life breathing person. Right. That you, there's that some is mysticism now in some way attached becoming to him. divine in your right. mind. Right. There's usually mysticism attached to him in some way. Yeah. Right. Like he's, in the case of Keith, he was the most, the smartest man in the world because so he had a said, 220 IQ, which, which he, does he did not. not. Yeah. Um, he had, he graduated from Rensselaer By the way, high, with highest IQ, 190. He graduated from Rensselaer with, um, to, Mark, I told you not to talk about my IQ. <laughs> That's so lovely. Now, Maria Vos Savant was the, is the highest tested IQ. She has to be a hot fucking mess. Probably. You can't be that smart. And, like, you, that's got to hurt. I don't know. I don't know. But, okay, so so he also was, like, a judo champion and a concert pianist. I bet I could kick his ass. And all of the, in, like, what, Trivial Pursuit? Anything. Or volleyball. I, I guarantee you Because he was, he was also an avid volleyball fan. He did fan. like volleyball. <laughs> he played volleyball through the middle of the night. Yeah. He claimed to need only two hours of sleep, but he slept most of the day, but yeah, he would I walk. Mean, like, He'd go on these long rambling. Well, he's, like, nocturnal, playing yeah, volleyball in the middle yeah. of the night and doing these long walks with women. I bet Crazy. he was. What a looney tune. All right. So um, number five, how do you get indoctrinated into a cult? You create an ex, or they create an external enemy. So right, you're, once you're in, everybody who's out, that could be the media who's saying, hey, right. this is a cult, or right. this guy's a bad guy. He's a pedophile. And then you kind of go. Both of which go, are true. <laughs> and then, and then the, and then the, the people within the cult go, no, this is just a smear campaign. Everybody's right. out to get him. He yeah. is actually a really good guy. Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> so then you have number six, peer pressure. So once you're in, all of your peers are your peers. They they're talking about everything the same. And if you right. question anything, your they peers beat are like, your ass. come on. Why yeah, are you? Come on, it's cool. Everybody's having sex with their leader. Come on. <laughs> Take your pants off. It's fine. Seven, the leader is a sociopathic narcissist. Yeah. Whoa, wait, what are you saying? The leader is a sociopathic narcissist. I That's mean, what they said. Do is, I have, is, so you're saying I don't have what it takes? Well, I don't know. Well, the jury's out. TBD. Yes. We'll see. What is... My point, or what I tried, the point I tried to make in the previous episode was that right now, people are, John Verveke, who is the professor at Toronto, he is positing that there's a crisis of meaning. I don't disagree with him. I think that there are signs. Certainly, I think that the, um, the atmosphere is rife. As fewer people identify with organized religion and the communal gathering spaces they offer, Virtual communities are helping to fill that void. What the internet has done is for the first time in human history, made the definition of community no longer geographically bound. Now we have COVID. So even more so, I think people are feeling isolated and alone. Yeah, so the thing about loneliness is that we have, there there are a couple of things that have been problematic about loneliness in addition to the fact that it's been growing. Number one is we haven't really understood how impactful it is on our health. Mm. But we know that when you look at the data that there is actually a strong association that you see between people who are lonely and actually mortality rates. So it turns out that the lifespan of people who are lonely tends to be shorter and not shorter by a couple of days or a couple of weeks. It tends to be shorter on the same order that smoking shortens your lifespan. So people who are having a crisis of meaning, you think it's because they've lost uh, their, you know, their access to religion. No, but not that their access to religion per se, but their access to a 
traditional means of building community. It doesn't have to be religion. It could be religion. It could also be that no one's joining the Shriners anymore. No one's joining the Royal Order of Water Buffalo. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Fred Flintstone. That's correct. And I'm just imagining him now bowling yeah. with this on his toes. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Reich. He had those hats. Yes. Oh, so good. Religion is only one, but there's lots of ways. People are not, you know, they're they're forming communities online, but those are anonymous. The, um, it also could be nece- not necessarily part of the problem, but part of the solution, mm-hmm. right? Because these are people who are isolated, crossroads, blah, 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 and they can find some solace and community or whatever online. I mean, I, I'm not sure which is cause and effect there. Well, you hope they find the right community. Well, yeah. Because and one of the other things that we're going we're, we're gonna to look into going forward, we're looking at cults now, but, now, uh, but one of these days, uh, one of these episodes after we go through Nexium. We're going to look at uh, the incel community. Okay, well, that's probably not the right community, yeah. What we're about to discuss now is how India Oxenberg, who herself will say was having a crisis of meaning, fell into the Nexium cult. My name is India. I was in a cult for seven years. When I was a child, I felt very loved, but I grew up looking for a more purposeful life. Nexium was a program to make people's lives better. I found real deep sense of community. I felt like I was in the right place. Keith Ranieri is the most horrific cult leader. My daughter. I've been in the presence of so much evil. I had to ask permission to eat. There's control of sleep. Demeaning sexual acts. It kept getting more extreme. All over the globe. The cruelty, it's beyond the pale. All right, so it starts out, this this uh, documentary, and I mean, I got to tell you, right now, there's a lot of shit that goes down before even the opening credits. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of shit. Ke- you get to Keith being a hardcore dick. Yeah. Oh, Before yeah. The, the opening first quote. <laughs> I know his the first, first quote like, one is. One of the first things that he's, well, no, his first quote is like, we could make the world a better place if we weren't so materialistic, right? right? And I'm here for that. Yeah, I but agree then. But he, it takes a turn for the dark. <laughs> it takes a very dark turn. But so anyway, we start out this blonde girl's walking and she's she's like that's where it happened. That window is where it happened. I was the first woman in my group of slaves to be branded. And you're like, "What? Whoa! That's dark. Branded." Yeah. Not branded. even branded though, with just like an iron stuck on her. No, where like it'd be a like a hot iron minute. It, it, this is like a tracing. It's like a tattoo, but burning. Yeah, that seems really bad. Like, how she do you says, not know you're in a cult at that point? She says that the the smell Ugh. of her burning flesh filled up the entire townhouse. All right. So, so she's she's walking and talking about being the first group of her group to be branded. Um, and then you kind of go into this. This, this, like, I don't know, a lot of different quick cuts of um, a discussion about Nexium, the cult, and various shots of the group, and Keith is speaking, and he's so disgusting. He's like, he he's like that jackass who sits on the edge of the stage, and he's like, gather around, everyone. Yeah. Gather around. I and have I'm going to just gonna tell say. you my wisdom right now, you yeah. guys. It's not even, I don't even want to say it's esoteric because esoteric has like a better connotation to whatever the fuck he's talking about. He was just saying random bullshit. Random bullshit that makes no sense. But you know what? So much of this makes no sense. But that's the thing. That's how, that's how fake smart people do it, right? You say things that just sound, they're obscure and nonsensical, honestly, but people ascribe meaning to them, right? Well, yeah, because people want to find meaning. Remember that time when when Keith said, uh, you know, that uh, oranges are uh, subliminal and uh, possibly divine? Wasn't that so deep? And then they'll, they'll sit there and like, yeah, and they'll talk about it and they'll convince themselves that whatever bullshit he said well they're all smart. starving they're all sleep deprived yeah, i mean exactly. anything probably sounds good when you're hungry and yeah. tired like, <laughs> i mean I'm, you're like yeah. i guess i mean dude i, I guess i'm down I, with that can, can i get I a, a grape? yeah <laughs> come on bro so like. so 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 then you get allison mack 
bitch. Famous for being on uh, uh, Super Smallville. Uh, Smallville. Right. And she's saying, we're starting a revolution. Like, understanding these ideas and then living them is so noble. We're changing the world. How? How, girl? Um, How are you fucking changing the world? By these people's lives. So India's like, I went into this looking for a more purposeful life, and I thought that these people wanted that too. A lot of different, they have a lot of talking heads in this, so there's no way we can keep up with all the names of everybody right. who's talking. But so a lot of, one of the women is saying, oh, I found a place with community. This girl, Ashley, starts weeping, um, and she thought, she goes, oh, I thought I was in a safe space with good people, and then she starts crying. Yeah, because um, she got raped and branded, probably. And then Rick Allen Ross, who is a cult expert. Right. He's saying, There have been a number of dangerous cults in American history. The Waco Davidians, Jonestown, the Unification Church, Scientology, and Heaven's Gate. And we've seen some of those end catastrophically. But Nexium will go down as one of the most destructive cults in history. It was pretty bad. Pretty fucking Although, bad. I don't know. I mean, Jonestown bad to the was level. Worse. Jonestown is bad. Manson is worse. Well, they stopped Nexium in time. Right. Okay. So it could have could have gone Jonestowny. It right? could it could have gone. They there are people who suspect that Keith was um, that his plans would have come to no good end. Well, they ultimately. Yeah, yeah I'll buy that. All right. So we're talking to Rick Allen Ross, and he's saying Nexium will go down as one of the most destructive cults in history. Cut to Keith. Yeah. Oh, this is where he says it, Saying it. Right? it. Say what he says. Uh, he's like, and I don't even remember the exact quote because it's I'll so put disturbing. His, I'll put the exact quote in. Yeah. You just, you just key it, cue so it basically up. Basically, he says, do you understand how you could rape a baby? I can make it a baby that's very rapeable. To which. Like, who's, how do you not just get up right there and go? I don't know. I'm serious. I don't know how you sit through that. Yeah. I don't know what, how many levels of class. Okay, because one of the things that they point out is that they had so many different modules, which is what they call their classes, mm -hmm. that start out kind of like empowering. And it was one step at a time, down and down and down the rabbit hole. They were trying to normalize things that seemed a little strange so that later on down the road, they could have horrifying curriculum concerning, you know, why is it wrong to have sex with children? They even had a module why we are not a cult. I mean, but I mean, come on, you're sitting there, you're like, oh yeah, okay, be my best self, okay, that's good. Oh, expose my, you know, uh, sensitivities and weaknesses, okay, I can do that. I'm sorry, what'd you just say? Baby raping? Okay, gotta go. <laughs> Too bad I can't stay. I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. Thank I'm you. Out. Thank you. Can and I can I get a partial refund yeah. or what? I mean, like, oh my Anybody God. have a signal? I got to get an Uber. <laughs> I got to go. I got to I go. I mean, how, how you don't get up and walk out from I that? I literally, I was like. Now, look, I understand that people can be brainwashed, but there are people in that room who are not brainwashed yet that should have got the fuck up and left. And they may have. At that I point, they know. may have. They may have. I but, doubt it. Um, so then there's a, a woman called Dr. And we will see her throughout the entire series, Dr. Janja, I think, J-N-J-A, Lalik. And she goes, Keith Ranieri is the most horrific, abusive cult leader that I've ever heard of in my 30-some years of doing this work. Well, yeah, he is. So... Most obvious thing said ever. Right. <laughs> yes, so, he is a terrible monster. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, you get you get to know Indy a little bit. She's She talks about her, her you know, her sort of progression through through college. Doesn't like it. She likes to learn, but she doesn't like traditional learning. She right. had a great childhood, but her childhood was a little bit permissive. She goes, yeah, my mom was a seeker, and I was just kind of like... What does that mean? Like Quidditch? She, well, she was just like always looking for new things oh, like okay, i get gotcha. the vibe that catherine in the day might have been a little bit hippy dippy yeah you know as much as you would you would imagine like a, a hollywood liberal yeah, yeah sort yeah. of like so she goes because india goes oh yeah like sometimes i'd come home and there were like monks in my house all right catherine was a single mom right. and then at a certain point she does get married to casper von Diem. yeah who was starship troopers so cute wow 
Uh, I mean, you he's can, blonde. That's not usually my vibe, but right. he's pretty cute. He's a good-looking guy, right? Decent-looking you know, guy. He killed a lot of aliens in that movie, so. Right. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember that movie. A lot of aliens. Okay. Well, I'll believe you. So um, they go to the um, initial class, which is a intro where yeah. they meet Sarah Edmondson and um, Mark Vicente. And this isn't like the, you know, like a lot of these dumb seminars are where they're like, in a Holiday Inn ballroom type thing, right? Oh, this, no, this is at is some like rich some dude's house or house, something, right? Some fancy, yeah. like, house. Yeah. And then, and then, so they go to this thing, and they, they're they're, they're kind of into it. They go, yeah, that's pretty cool. And um, a lot of entertainment figures in the room. They've, they're they told that Gerard Butler has taken some, some right. uh, ESP classes, Jennifer Aniston, Richard Branson. Strangely, the royal family of Mexico, which by, oh, pres, I'm sorry, presidential family of Mexico. And the Dalai Lama has something to do with Keith, and so like they're they, they're using all of this, and so so then but you get none they, of those people were there. No, well but they were You know who there. was there? Rosario, Rosario Dawson. Dawson. <laughs> I'm coming for her too. I feel like that bitch has maybe some questions to answer about this. She was definitely there to capitalize on the MLM nonsense. You in think Rosario opinion. Dawson has she to was be an a insider? Yeah, MLM? she was a somewhat of an insider at that point. Do you think like Rosario Dawson is like on her Insta going, "Hey, you guys, let me tell yeah. you about how you can earn some yeah. money." It's not even just that. Working she your agrees own hour. to go. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like I found this great new business opportunity, even though I'm already a millionaire. Whatever. No, I'm a millionaire I'm gonna, actor. You, know, you guys I'm might sell not be. Leggings. All my fans. <laughs> yeah. No. But, what? Can I what, tell you about my essential yeah, oils? No, she's basically being a paid sponsor right i mean like she's being paid I, to show you know, up i don't know that that's the case but I, I, think i'm here is. for your, your i, I think I'm it here is for your she and i are gonna have I trouble mean, like, you're like really yeah <laughs> okay she and i are gonna have some issues they the specialists point out that nexium does indeed use celebrities and high-level people yeah um to lure others in um, and so that's that's accurate, right? Like, I mean, what you're saying is 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 100 true. Not that Rosario Dawson was in on it, but that but she was. Well, I, just, I don't know I, that I don't for know. sure. Allegedly, let's say that. Well, I don't even know allegedly. Some people are saying. People are I mean, talking. Mark is saying. Yeah, I'm okay. I'm saying it. <laughs> Mark's the only one saying I'm, that. I'm, I'm so. the only one that has this let's theory. Let's be clear. But let's I think Rosario clear. Dawson is a problem. And then at the end of the first this intro, and now remember, this would be the soft sell. Right. No one's there going, hey, we want to brand you. Yet. Right. They and don't we, start with and that. And that guy who's Vanguard, we want you to, ha- you know, have sex with him. Oh, by the way, in case you didn't know, that's what they call this dipshit that runs the uh, <laughs> Right. Yeah. The, because uh, cult, cult leaders. They have to call him Vanguard. Cult leaders often create special fancy names for themselves. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, um, at the end of the intro, they decide... Um, they're they're thre- they're they are alerted that the next set of classes, which would be a five day intensive session, will right. cost three thousand dollars a person. Right. Catherine Oxford goes. That caught my attention. Yeah. Fuck that. She's like, that I'm, was very expensive. But yeah. then India came to her and said, Hey, mom. Do you think you know? Put your credit card down. Yeah. Just I'll figure the, out a way to pay you back. I'll yeah, figure okay. out a way to right. pay With you back. With your amazing I feel like catering that, business. Yeah, okay. I feel like <laughs> that is going to be an ongoing. There's a lot. I think there's a lot of some kind of weird guilt that Catherine is. Because oh, she's yeah. obviously she's paying, bankrolling she's paying all for of love. It. Yeah. Then they decide they're going to do these. The, they're going to do a five-day intensive. And by the way, I'm a little sympathetic when she said, hey, if your teenage daughter, yeah. your 19-year-old daughter says, mom, I want to do something where we're going to be together for five days. Right. You're like, yeah, that would be awesome. That'd be right? amazing because your teenagers are regularly assholes. I yeah. mean, I, I'm telling you mine today. Yeah. Complete. Yeah. So they decide to do this five-day. And they drive down to this huge house that is owned by Eric Clapton. Slow hand. And, and this is in Venice, California. And so what they are doing is uh, they're watching Keith second in command, whose name is Nancy Salzman, who is an absolute and complete piece Bitch. of shit. She's garbage. She is an absolute garbage person. I cannot with her. Yeah. Like any of these people, I would go into a thing and then someone would say to me, hey, come on in. Let's sit down and watch. And you're paying $3,000 to watch this idiot talk to me. Yeah. I'd be like, fuck this. Give me my refund. This is bullshit. Yeah. 
Because she's a horrible person. She's a horrible person. You can see it. She's got like that voice and that, that smarmy mouth. Marmy little nonsense. That fucking sneering mouth. bullshit. God, she is. She's like, I can't even do it because I don't have that mouth. But ew. So um, they go to this five day, and they're you know Catherine goes. Mm. There were things that I noticed that were weird. Everyone wore sashes. We were supposed to bow when we entered the room. We were supposed to clap and say, thank you, Prefect, who was Nancy Salzman, and thank you, Vanguard. Vanguard was this guy, Keith Ranieri, who was, we didn't get to meet. Yeah, that's kind of a red flag, guys. It's 100% a red flag. I mean, it's very bizarre. Um, but there were some other things that were, were, were and, and, and the specialist will say, you know, it's not unusual, as we mentioned before, for a, um, for a cult leader to come up with a special name for himself. So Keith right. was Vanguard. He was named after, do you right. know what? Uh, the, uh, the uh, stock fund? The 1980s video game. Oh, that's right. Vanguard. Okay. Gotcha. So anyway, he. I didn't play that one. So, so. but India said. One of the things that what they taught. Mine, what would I choose? Like, I, like all, what if you, all what my if subjects what, would what call would me Donkey name? Kong or something. I mean, <laughs> Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Tempest. That was one of my favorites. Ooh, Tempest. Yes. So you will now, here and after, refer to me as Tempest. And bow no, as I'm, I come I'm not, in the room. I'm, I'm sorry. And there should I'm, be I'm clapping. Not, I, <laughs> I mean, you got to do something good for me to clap, Mark. I'll give you a sash. No, I don't no. want a sash. That's lame. Right. See, I'm too old for that. You can't, well, you can't indoctrinate me. Um, so India, though, points out that in spite of all of this strangeness and, and whatever else, one of the things really stood out to her, and this was the concept of being at cause. When we're really at cause, we understand that we're the one choosing to have the emotion. I remember when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's really incredible. Like, I get to choose how I want to feel. This is a very oh. stoic concept. Yeah, I was gonna say on the surface, I would be about that, right? That's I'm. I do believe that you should, uh, as best you can, take responsibility for your own feelings and uh, worry less about how other people feel because you can't control that. Um, but in this context, clearly manipulative, right? Very. So one of the core concepts in Nexium, which comes from the New Age movement is that you create your own reality. And so the follow-up from that is that you're to blame for whatever happens to you. They actually had to recite, I will not choose to be a victim. And eventually, this was a way to make the women believe it was their own doing if they were victimized. You absolutely should not. That is not stoicism. No. So uh, so we kind of go on. India mentions that, you know, like, it feels like your brain is getting scrambled, but I kind of I kind of liked it, you know? Okay. So, like, okay, you know? And I understand that. I understand, like, going into um, a learning situation going, wow. I mean, My I have that a lot. spinning with all you, the... You know, like, yeah. this is really, this is a lot. But, I mean, there's a difference between learning facts and ideas and concepts and then, like, being mind-fucked. Right. Which like, is what they're doing. Yeah, which is what's what's happening to them. So they're in the process of breaking them down <clears throat> psychologically, right? And they keep talking about all these hypnosis techniques they use. Well, all right. So then they bring up the fact that they go into the last day of class. And the, and, yeah. and what's promised to them on the last day of class, is, this five-day intensive, oh, yeah, this is, is that they're going to be doing an EM. Yeah. Which is uh, this exploration of meaning. Right. Basically, and, what they're going to do is confess something right or face some weakness that they have face some it's yeah like very issue, cathartic. issue that they have so right. so they're all gonna they're all gonna go up and one by one in front of the class and they're gonna be led through this kind of exploration of what something bad so Catherine goes in and she's like okay i'm gonna do i wanted to do this thing where i had anxiety around auditions right. so right before Catherine's em and she's like the highest level richest target in this this in entire this room. class. Do we know that for sure? Well, yes, because they they theorized that she was because right before her EM in walks Nancy Salzman. Coaches went berserk. Like they're like, "Wow, it's Nancy. You have no idea how special this is. She never teaches level 1." I remember just thinking, "Whoa, it's a lady from the TV." <laughs> like 
An EM is a stimulus response disconnection. Are you committed to breaking your stimulus response chain with me? The fact that Nancy Salzman turned up for Catherine Oxenberg's EM, that certainly wasn't a coincidence. Catherine Oxenberg and her daughter India would be considered high value recruits. And right. she never does these things in person. Oh, so everyone was like, "Ooh, so this Catherine is a big deal!" Is the like whale, everyone was like, "Ooh, right? so she's trying to land Catherine the whale." Catherine is the whale, so she's yeah. there to do the whale. And so then they they talk her through the they talk her through the EM, and she has a really powerful experience. This is like this big deal, and Catherine comes out of it going, "Wow, it was really powerful," and I was really moved. And Rick Ross, who's the cult specialist, he he says, "Well, EMs give." It's not dissimilar to like auditing in Scientology. They were using the EM to basically tear people down, to find out their secrets, to find out what their Achilles heel, their pain was. Where it gives the people who are doing the guiding you through it, you're doing it in a state of trust. You're like, right. okay, here's something that I remember. Right. But you're actually giving them information that later right. they can use as, as, as a leverage yeah. to control you. And so Catherine says, you know, look, I was I was on a high and I was incentivized to go to take more courses because I, I came out of it going, wow, this was like a really powerful experience. Yeah. Interestingly, India, after the M, she goes, it wasn't really that big of an emotional thing for me. Yeah. And she was ready to walk away. But Catherine said, we're all doing this. We're going to yeah. get the whole fam involved. At this point in the documentary, we get a little bit of Keith's story. So Keith through the 80s and 90s, was involved in, in multiple pyramid schemes. He had yeah. some connection with Amway. He did something called Consumer Byline and got in trouble for that. Yeah. And remember, Keith is putting out there that he's the smartest man in the world right. with a 220 IQ. He's right. a judo, judo master. He's right. a concert pianist. He's like right. essentially Mozart, but like smarter. Yeah, right. Um, but then at a certain point, Keith, who's kind of like flailing, he's trying to do his thing. He's trying to figure out what he's doing. And he keeps, he's meeting women and he keeps, he's, he's starting to collect a harem of women and somehow he's able to do this. Like he's, yeah. he's got a couple of women on the hook. Like is he like working like three or four phones? You no, know, he's like, like living, literally and... living in a house with yeah. multiple women who he's sleeping right. with. Okay. And then he gets this kind of long-term serious girlfriend called Tony. And it's like this very weird situation. I don't know how he does it. He like, cause he, he's not a good looking man. Yeah. So I'm not sure what, I mean, he must be very care. Well, not even, I don't even know. But anyway. Who knows? Um, he Maybe goes, he, well, most likely what it is, is like other people are in his position. He understands who is vulnerable mm -hmm. and how to exploit it. That's exactly what they say. They say that he was very, very good at listening. Yeah. So he would listen to people talk and he would figure out where their soft spots were and then he would exploit yeah. those. So he, at a certain point here, meets Nancy Salzman, who yeah. we've been talking about is a garbage person. She is hot um, fucking garbage. And together they created ESP. Keith was looking for his next business, his next venture. And this was also a time period where self-improvement was really popular. Keith kind of seized on that opportunity with Nancy and they created what was executive success programs, ESP, and that became Nexium. But they you know, didn't even make this stuff up, right? They stole it from a bunch of other They stole it from a bunch of different places. Amway is one. The multi-level marketing was from Amway. The uh, EM and uh, the like some of the language, actually the, the language of the use was Scientology. Yeah. Um there's um By the way, heads up if they stole things from those movements in order to make their cult, those are cults too, okay? Right, right, right. So if you're selling Amway, it's not really a cult, but it is definitely an MLM, MLM ripoff scheme. And if you're in Scientology, get out. Um, also Ayn Rand, objectivism. Ugh, again. So people like to bring her up, especially like libertarians and stuff. Mm -hmm. There is no serious philosopher in the world who gives a fuck about what Ayn Rand Ayn Rand ever ever said, right? She is not taken as serious as a philosopher. She's not a philosopher. She made up this objectivism bullshit, which is basically uh, be greedy and selfish. That was her whole philosophy. No, there are no courses available in a decent school to study objectivism. Um, but Keith wasn't an original thinker. And no. Nancy actually is helping him with this. Now, Nancy... Yeah, where did that bitch come from? Well... The eighth level of hell? <laughs> Nancy had an actual successful gig <laughs> yeah. going when she met Keith. 
And somehow he used her own tactics to game her. She was involved in neuro-linguistic programming and hypnosis. Yeah. And so those skills she brought to bear. Which, by the way, that's a scammy thing to do. It really right? is. I mean, and it's, it's not very like dodgy. that's a legit business. That's basically tricking people to do things for you by using these psychological tricks. Your goal is to make your words penetrate more without the other person's knowledge or consent. In many cases, NLP is amoral. It completely depends on the ethics of the practitioner. So, so she's she's an expert in this, but somehow he games her. Yeah. Um, and well, then she becomes she a producer. Claims he games her. Could be. And this is one of no, the things. I and think she actually, is 100% aware of this bullshit. I was thinking that same thing because I was, I, was, I was listening to someone talk about it. And they said, you know, it was really interesting how he flipped the script on her. Yeah. Flipped the script on her. And I thought to myself, did he, though? No. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think she... I think she saw it as an opportunity. It's like, hey, this guy has some skills. Mm -hmm. I think we can really cult it up. You know, she and got her daughter deep into it. Yeah, well, but she's she is definitely deep into it, and I wouldn't be surprised if she was like really one of the, she was a driving driving force in it. I mean, she yeah. certainly was. And what was interesting is, it, uh, in in um a little bit later in the in this the episode, you see them go to this this um, extreme week where they're all celebrating Vanguard, who is key. Yeah. And everyone's up on the stage calling him Vanguard and saying, you're so awesome, Vanguard, and you're this and you're that, Vanguard. And the only one who calls him Keith, Nancy Salzman. Right. Here's, here's, my, here's my impression of Nancy Salzman when shit started turning bad. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Keith has been taken to jail. She's like, what? Where am I? <laughs> what happened? I must have been hypnotized. No. You How know did I she, get here? No. You know what she did? She went... I'll she, tell you everything. Yeah, she flipped. She, she dimed flipped, him she out. She flipped immediately. Which, okay, and I approve of her diming him out, but that bitch should see time. She is not going to, but I you know. know who is? Her daughter. Her daughter is who getting like a- she tricked into getting who into it. she got it. her into it, and then she she became um, a, a witness against Keith Yeah. And, and is letting her daughter out to hang. Yeah. Sick. Gar She's a sick, Garbage person. Sick bitch. Lives in the garbage. So anyway- um, Garbage town. They, they all- get together and, and, and start ESP. And here we are in a point in the episode where Keith is talking again as he, God. Never stops. God fucking fucker. Keith. Most folk, even even people that you call sociopaths, are well-intended folk, you know? We, we, we all pretty much come out the same way. And cut to the audience, you fucking Sarah Edmondson, who is like meant to be in some of the other my problem with Sarah Edmondson and Mark Vicente is in the other documentary, which is called The Vow. And in other areas, I've seen, um, I've, I've heard Sarah talking on a, a podcast all about escaping Nexium. And um, she is uh, painted as quite the victim. And I think that she is a victim. And I think Mark uh, Vicente is also a victim. But they are also perpetrators and so yeah. you know in this in this seduced documentary you see a very different side and uh sarah is sitting there while keith, keith is talking about sociopaths being well-intentioned folks and she's doing this that nod and yeah, smile like that's right yeah keith. i get that that's i understand right. that let's feel sorry for sociopaths yeah you're so right keith. and uh, i was watching I'm and i was picking like up what you're putting down what bro. the fuck right yeah. so um so in the in the uh aughts all sorts of different programs started coming coming under this Nexium umbrella. So it yeah. wasn't. We talked about we talked about some of those before. They end up with locations, training locations all around the globe. Yeah. Then you cut to to, to Barry again, the um, journalist, and he says Nexium was making no money, and yeah. the only way that they were really um, able to stay afloat was through the cash money from yeah the Seagram bitches. That's right. If you looked at Nexium. From a business perspective, it just didn't generate much money. It was basically a horseshit organization. It was only able to sustain and thrive because it had millions and millions of dollars coming into its coffers. Millions, which came from the Seagram's liquor empire. Much of the money for Nexium came from Claire and Sarah Brothman. The Brothmans over time spent $250 million putting money into that organization. Um, and so here's where we get 
to Princess Elizabeth. All right. And she comes in. That bitch. She's but always like been a that bitch. really cool. Yeah, yeah. No, like she's in a, a down the ass very bitch. best way. Yeah, she's a down ass bitch. She's <laughs> she a really bad is. She's a round the way girl. Yeah. So she comes in and she is like, uh, I am I'm not here for anyone's shit. Yeah. I'm not I'm, I like she's like, I can see exactly what was happening. Yeah. I saw that it was dodgy. Yeah. Uh, my daughter's I didn't an hurt idiot. My, daughter. my daughter's an idiot. My granddaughter's an idiot. She goes, well, you know, India was a baby when she went into the cult. But, you know, you, she could see, you, she's like, and of course, Catherine feels terrible yeah. about yeah. it. Um, she's like rolling her eyes. But, uh, and Catherine is, you know, she feels guilty about missing she the knows. red flags and stuff. <clears throat> um, and she's not at all happy about the fact she has a successful documentary now under her belt. Oh, well, and now both of them do. Because Catherine, I think, Catherine is definitely a producer for this. Yeah. India may have also a production credit. Yeah. But um, so India says, this was telling. India says more important than like the business advice. I think the thing that was more intriguing to me wasn't about what I was learning from my business, but about having friendships and relationships with people who I thought got me on a personal level. We were bonding. Yeah. It was awesome. And so then they decide Catherine is asked by Nancy Salzman to host a jeunesse weekend, which is the right. women's group. Jeunesse was described as a women's educational program that would help women understand women, women understand men, and a lot of the emphasis was on relationships and sexuality. Right. Which is a, you know, just a weird group founded by Keith. And Nancy, yeah. Nancy takes pains to say... I always say, when I introduce people to the education, because I still teach the weekends from time to time. You know, welcome to the first women's movement that was created by a man. And it is, it's the first women's movement that was created by a man, a very unique man, a very amazing man in many, many, many ways, but a man who has thought very deeply about what it would take to change the world. Yeah. And she's like almost in tears. Do you just... Right. And maybe instead of that being a good marketing ploy, uh, maybe take a little uh, caution when you hear that. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, let's empower women. This guy's going to allow us to do that. So yeah, um, we're well, all here for him. And he, but in order to power you, you have to, uh, you know, get branded. Right, you do. Have and to be, do that be a, a sex slave. So you know. Right. So, um, but anyway, so it's a trade off, like anything. Well, I mean, you know. So Catherine has hosts one of this this Jeunesse party. And there's all sorts of people coming up. Yeah. And then uh, Elizabeth happened, her mother happened to be at this party. And she's like, no. no. And she's just so, she's so dry. Yeah. She's sitting there in that chair getting interviewed. And These she's like. criminals. <laughs> she goes, she's like, you know. And there was somebody there called Nancy Saltzman who was going to give a spiel about Jeunesse. I thought it was complete rubbish. They said she was very important, Nancy Saltzman. But I thought she was an idiot. Yeah. yeah. Also correct. Nancy says about Jeunesse, and she says, I couldn't believe this. She goes, men have to grow up and they have to be responsible in the world, and men are responsible for women. And women don't really get that that's the case. This is obviously some unusual meaning of the word empowerment that I'm not, <laughs> I'm not familiar with, where we're going to empower you by letting you know that men are in charge, okay? <laughs> Like, oh, well, that's an interesting take. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's how, that's how it works. Exactly, exactly. So, um, Janja, the, the, the woman who's the occult specialist, says, Keith Ranieri taking feminist terms and giving them new meanings is using something that's familiar to people, but twisting it in a way that's actually tearing them down. Jeunesse was pure misogyny. India, of course, thought this was awesome. She yeah. totally got it. And she signed up for more, more curriculum. Yeah. And they, um, and so she's hanging with this group of girls. And it's really, you can get, I really get it. Like, I look at her and I think she's 19. She's like maybe 20 right. at this point. And she's trying, she's like just enjoying the camaraderie. Right. And that's what it is. And what they're enjoying is that her mother is just keep paying, paying. keeps paying. She's and got that dollar, she's a dollar high, bills. she's yeah. a, she's a high, um, high quality target. Um, and, uh, Catherine said, looking at her at this point, she was doing well. She was doing really great. Yeah. Um, but then at a certain point, India goes, you know, I'm going to become a coach. 
When I began going down the coaching path, I started to feel a little separation from my mom, like, oh, this is my thing. And that felt good to have something that I felt like I was good at. So she's right. then moving up into the MLM. Right. And so when she becomes a coach, then she has to start recruiting people and bringing people into the into the system and, right. and the, the getting the downline folks. I feel so sorry for her, but she's not making I a ton too. of money. Now, very differently, you find out in in, uh, in the um, the vow that Sarah Edmondson and Mark Vicente actually oh, climbed that ladder. Bank. They were making yeah. bank. Yeah. Because um, they're at the top of the food they're chain. They're at the top of the food chain. So... Um, so Catherine, mean t- meanwhile, also remember that at this point, Catherine and her whole family were taking part in, in the whole Nexium program. Yeah. So India's moving up into Except for the, Princess Elizabeth. Except for Princess Elizabeth, who is not there for anyone's She's shit. like, you guys are idiots. She's <laughs> like, how did you I guys, even raise am I, how am I here for this? Right. So, um, so then uh, Catherine said, well, they were doing this level two coursework. As a family, and she, it had to take place in Albany, so you had to travel to Al- right. Albany to do that. So she and her family spot. go out to Albany, yeah. and they're staying. We were staying with coaches in the program, and I happened to notice one day that the wife was sleeping on the floor, and the husband was sleeping in the bed. I and I asked her. I said, "What's up?" And she said, "Oh, I'm doing a penance," and she seemed quite happy about it. That to me was like a giant red flag. Well, you know what that is? That's empowerment right well, there. Well, that's empowerment. But see, that's what it is. So they yeah. have they have the jeunesse group, and then they have this man's version yeah. of jeunesse, which is a men's group. And in that group, they're, they're there ain't taught, no men sleeping on dog beds. They're taught, though. you know, this is, you are the ones who are in charge. Right. You're in control. You are the providers. You need to be, you know. So, um, you know, and Keith is, is integral in, in, in spreading that, that yeah. message. Anyways, she, at the same time when she's in Al- Albany, she reads... Um, uh, an article in in the local paper there that says you know Keith's a pedo. Yeah, and they this local paper has been hammering this dude for ten years. Yep. Like saying, hey, by the way, we this got a, is cult a cult. In our midst. Yeah. Oh, by the way, apparently we just found it. It's a sex cult. <laughs> sex. He's, Maybe he's raping know. underage children. Yeah. So. But good job, uh, you know, U.S. Attorney or the uh, Attorney General of New York. Oh my for, God! For not doing shit about that. Yeah, the Northern Good District job, was Albany like. Good job, Albany Police. So anyway, um, Catherine was like, I couldn't get out of this fast enough. So then India is like, Okay, the, then I get invited to my mom's out, my my family's out, but I'm still in, and then I get invited to go to this thing called Vanguard Week. Right. And Vanguard Week is an entire week dedicated to celebrating Keith's birthday. Right. Um, but during Vanguard Week, leading up to the night of his birthday, you get all of this bullshit. You're doing triathlons. You're yeah. doing chess tournaments. Yeah. You're doing all kinds of bullshit activities, keeping you busy 24-7. And India was like, it was exhausting. And everybody what, who went said it was Do you know what the last exhausting. week of October is? Vanguard Week? Tempest Week. Tempest Week. <laughs> From now on. From now on, that's oh, that's your birthday week. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. It's not Halloween. No, Tempest Week. Tempest Week. <laughs> Tempest. I'm gonna get Hallmark to put out a line of cards. So John just said all of those activities, everything that's going in, that that there's a very specific purpose. V Week was what we call high arousal techniques basically create a lot of high energy and also keep them busy all the time, all the time, so they have no time to themselves. So when they're in this high arousal state, it feels really good. There's almost an addiction mechanism that clicks in. It adds to the vulnerability and the susceptibility to then sign on for the next thing because, wow, this was so great. I, I want to come back and have more of this. So there were no photos. Of, like You couldn't take photos if you were at V-Week, but... Everything was being filmed, and Mark Vicente is a, is a part of that because, of course, yeah. he's a documentary filmmaker. So okay. he's there filming everything with, for Keith because Keith, in his mind, thinks that everything that he says is just absolute genius. Keith Ranieri truly believed he was actually some special master who was going to make some amazing mark on history. And so these were the archives of this most brilliant genius man in the world. Every word that came out of his mouth was precious. So there you know, were hours and hours and hours of these tapes. But what, okay, so tell me your impression of the, the V-Week festivities. Look. <laughs> 
what is wrong with these people? Okay. Now, look, I can see how that might seem fun because it's kind of like camp, right? Mm -hmm. You're going away to camp mm -hmm. and you're making lanyards and you're shooting a bow and arrow, you know, whatever the fuck, mm -hmm. right? Swimming, um, boating. But the problem is, is that, first of all, you're calling somebody Vanguard, okay? <laughs> what is wrong with you? How, what You took some wrong turn in your life that you're now mm -hmm. calling this guy Vanguard. You know, that there's some, you know, ex examine it a little harder than that. But, I mean, yeah, it's ex it's exactly what, you know, they're, they're feel like they're special, right? Because you're invited to Keith's bullshit week, right? Mm -hmm. And you get to interact with him. Yeah, exactly, which is some kind of big deal, apparently. Mm -hmm. It's like, see that tiny little guy over there? Go kiss him on the mouth. Yeah, and that's another thing. We didn't, haven't even said that. Every time he greets somebody, male or male, female, female, dog, doesn't matter. <laughs> he kisses them on the mouth. Look. <laughs> He's up there Richard Dawsoning everybody. <laughs> and Everybody's like, yeah, that seems normal. That's fine. Ew, uh, so he... he's up there kissing everybody on the mouth. <laughs> and it's loud kissing. Yeah. And it's it... not just like like little European. Like, you want a European kiss? Kisses on, like, the Down cheeks, whatever. whatever. Fine. He, you know, he's whatever. like kissing. He's just like. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck, bro? Like, Jesus I Christ. I didn't want to share your lunch. What in the Keith, hell? Keith, Keith, Keith. How are you? And and then like the women who go up and meet with him like get that greeting. Yeah. They are like hugging him for dear life and yeah. saying, "I love you so That's much." That's because they've created this mystique around him, like he's some kind of big fucking deal, and nobody bothered to look behind the great and powerful Oz no. and notice that he's just a little shriveled shit. I know he's like a, a he's like a big nothing. That, yeah. Whatever. Um, and then what about the performances? Well, they were horrific. <laughs> so everybody had, I guess they have to do like these skits for him. <laughs> yes. Or, you know, or pantomimes <laughs> or like, lip syncing like, or karaoke. And, dancing and, oh. and they were, frankly, an embarrassment. On V Day, we had what was called Tribute Night. All the centers would practice for months and they would perform for Keith as a gift for his birthday. Even the LA chapter yeah. sucked. Like, don't you guys, aren't, aren't you guys you like, actors? Yeah, aren't you like, don't you have some talent? I mean, well, geez. we're not seeing it here, okay? No, definitely not. I mean, obviously, without, you know, a good producer and director, these guys are shit. So. But in the meantime, he's the the word is he's celibate. He's he's yeah. he's meant to be a monk, right? And, and he sleeps two hours a night, uh, but ten hours during the day. Yes. Yeah, they don't mention <laughs> and, that part. But yeah, plays volleyball like a wacko, and yeah. you know the only time you get to talk to him, really get some one on one time, is if you show up for volleyball. So you're up in the middle of the night. Everybody's exhausted. Yeah. Um, and, and then they have shit to do during the day. Not Keith. Keith's just sacked out. Right. So what? Uh, so while they're saying, you know, Keith, everyone, the party line is that Keith is a, a recusant. In real life, Keith is building up a behind the Keith's scenes a harem chicks left and of right. women. Yeah. And some of them are underage. Some of them are being held captive, literally a prisoner for for like over a year in a room was not allowed out. Jesus um, Christ. And India says. Uh, India says, it's taken me over 50 hours with a therapist to be able, able even to admit that I've done anything sexual with yeah. him. Because she's so traumatized. <laughs> because she's so traumatized. Because she can't quite understand exactly what happened. And I feel very, very sorry for her. Of I course. really do. Yeah. I mean, we made fun of her a little bit, but she's definitely 100% a, a, a victim. This yeah. poor girl. Um, so, <laughs> and then that at the end, yeah. I can't. Wait, what happened at the end again? All we are saying. Oh, yeah, is give Keith a chance. God! Yeah. Oh, fuck 
me. Get on board the Keith train. Oh okay. my God, they are literally all of them going around singing. So that's the end of episode one um, of the of Seduced, and it is uh, a grim and awful. Yeah. Initial foray. All I can say is wait for episodes two and wait for episode three. Right. So our next episode, you guys, is going to be a, a combo of episode two and three. Actually, you know what I would have gone with? Hmm. Instead of the instead of the give peace a chance thing, hmm. peace train by Cat. There is the peace train or peace train. See, I think I would ultimately be a better cult, cult leader than no, not member. Well, the cult members leader. were the ones who made the song. Yeah, but I mean, I would have I would have given some editorial advice. I'm like, hey, guys, let me give you a little hint. Keith Train. Okay. You know, <laughs> I love <laughs> Let's it. Let's do it. Mark, let's talk about social media quickly. We have a Facebook, everyone, and it's becoming very, very lively. We have some. We have a super fan. Extemporaneous with an X is our Facebook page. Okay, can you do the Insta, please? Oh yeah, it's <laughs> at Extemporaneous Pod, uh, which is spelled X T E M P O Raneous Pod. And we have an email, which we is extemporaneouspod at gmail.com. Please right. send us suggestions. If you have friends that you think would enjoy us, if you find us interesting and entertaining and you would like to share us with a friend, we would love it if you would do that. Everyone, we really appreciate you coming back to listen to us each week. Um, thanks for joining in the conversation on our Facebook. And we, I think, are done. Thank God. No, you're supposed to say I'm oh, bleeding no. to death over here. Oh, my God. I'm taking a picture. Wow. I mean, I'm still waiting to see if, if the police yeah. think uh, yeah, we our did. use of... We did use a little <laughs> bit of the police. I mean, Synchronicity 2, the song, yes. as opposed to the album. Keep on. <laughs> That's going to work for you. I can't. It was so funny. Mm-hmm. You're a police super fan. It yes. was so funny. It was so cute. Yes. Wow. I don't I think honestly baldness has become somewhat more acceptable, so don't people don't swoop it over as much anymore. I think people just shave their heads now. Yeah, that's exactly right. Although I have to say, Mm -hmm. if I started losing my hair, which it does not look like that is happening, thankfully. Mm -hmm. But like there are people who look good bald. And then there are people who do not look good bald, and that would be me. I'm pretty sure I would look like a fleshy t- Q-tip if, if I got if I went bald. Like my brother-in-law, balded it out, right? Looks great. Oh, right. Chris. He's got a good shaped head, I yeah. guess. I don't know, but I know, I know, as a, for a rock-solid fact that if I lost my hair, that would be problematic. Hang on, Chris is bald. Do you not notice it when people are bald? Are you bald blind? I must be bald blind. Because he is definitely bald. Wow. Yeah, but I think you have to be charismatic about it. Wow, okay. I thought I was being. Mozart. (laughs) (laughs) You should have just said, excuse me. Yeah, oops. (laughs) (laughs) That was my dog who's hanging out with us in the studio today, and he just snored like, (laughs) like a goddamn grizzly bear.